Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osband, here with my friend and Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yavamot, daf Kuf Tet Zion, page 116. We will be having our CM God willing in a few days. Uh, please, a little bit over than a week. Uh, please sign up if you haven't already to join us. Uh, we look forward to finishing uh, this Masachet with our uh, co-learners. Uh, it certainly was an interesting Masachet, and I'm sure a lot of people have some thoughts to share about uh, what their learning of Yuvamos was like for them. Uh, we're going to get to a new mission today, which Anne will get to. But before we get to that mission, we wrap up, uh, you know, yesterday's Mishnah. Um, there's still a little bit more of the same here, which is, you know, this paying very close attention to the language somebody uses and deciding whether or not that language, you know, makes them valid or invalid as a witness. So the Mishnah had said, right, no right? Let's say there was a quarrel between the wife and the husband, right? Her testimony that the husband died would not be accepted. no So what would a what would a quarrel be? The Gemara wants to know. I'm a Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a Shmuel. So Rabbi Yehuda says the name of Shmuel, the Omerit Lavala Garsheni. If she says to her husband, divorce me. So the Gemara asks, Kulunami Amru Right, the Gemara says all women say this when they're angry. This doesn't mean necessarily <laughs> that they were still fighting. Now, again, I'm reading this because I think it's interesting just to see what male Chazal assumed about women. So they're basically saying this is something that sort of just gets said in regular fighting between a husband and wife, and it doesn't mean anything. Like it means that the the argument could have been resolved very quickly. But if she yelled, "You divorced me," that seems to be a little bit more serious of a claim, a little bit more serious of an argument. And that's the type of fight where we want to not be married to him. The Lahema mi Rav Hamnuna, right? So then the Gemara basically says, okay, if she said that her husband had divorced her, let us believe her, right? According to what Rav Hamnuna said. Dama Rav Hamnuna, He's doing is they're making an interesting argument. They're saying, wait, but we allow a woman to be her own witness to say, my husband divorced me, right? If she says he divorced me, that's considered to be credible testimony. So, uh, so why is that? Because it's a presumption that a woman lie in the presence of her husband about something that she know isn't untrue. In other words, a woman would have to be believed if she says, you divorced me because he's there. Like you can check if that's true. So what this would mean is, is that there's no need for any... T- right we're already divorced and you know she actually in other words if we believe when a woman says Gershtani we believe her that that's true and therefore she doesn't even testify that he's dead because they're already divorced so then the Gemara goes on to say what what it is 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 they're considered to be fighting when she says you divorced me in the presence of two witnesses, so-and-so and so-and-so. V'sha'alna da'amru, right? And then the court, lo hayu devarime alam. And they say, no, that never happened. So in other words, there was a precedent already established that they got into a fight. She said, you divorced me. It was proven to be wrong, right? And so then she comes in and makes a claim that he died. We're not going to believe her because this seems to be someone who's obviously trying to get out of her marriage. And then the Gemara goes on to say, my time is right? What's the reason in the case of, you know, a fight that they won't believe her, 
Rav Hanin Amar Mishum de Mashkra, Rav Shimi Bar Ashi Amar Mishum de Amra Bidme. Right? So Rav Hanina says because she lies, right? In other words, she, she fought with her husband, so she'll lie that her husband died. And Rav Shimi Bar Ashi says because she says what she imagines to be a case. Meaning, careful to make sure that he's actually dead. But if so careful, you know, being dead because she'll be okay if he's dead. And then the Gemara wants to know, my Benayu, what's the difference between these two explanations? The, the difference is when he initiated the quarrel, right? When there's no concern that she may lie, right? Uh, you know, that she may lie because she still loves him. But when there's a quarrel between them, she may not be as careful. So it has to do with if he started the argument, maybe she still actually loves him and we're not worried about her actually lying. Um, then the Gemara goes on. Now here's the, the last piece here. Uh, I'm going to skip actually the, the, the next piece that goes through exactly, you know, a little bit more about why we believe one witness and the whole idea, which we've seen before, that a woman would be careful with these things. But now we get to that thing about Rabbi Yehuda, right? Remember Rabbi Yehuda said, that the only time a woman is credible about her husband dying in war is if she looks like she lived through a war, which, Anne, you and I said yesterday, we thought was totally a very striking position to have. And so the Gemara agrees with us. So the Gemara says as follows, Tanya, it says, taught in a bracelet. Amri Lola Rabbi Yehuda. The rabbi said to Rabbi Yehuda, So according to your statement, a pikachat, meaning a, a smart woman, right? A woman who's, you know, who's of sound mind. She can basically lie, right? She can come with torn clothes and it will make it, and she'll be allowed to marry. But a woman who's a shota, right? Who doesn't know how to lie to the courts or doesn't know how to do this type of deception wouldn't be allowed to marry. In other words, you're saying, Rabbi Yehuda, this is very easy to fake. You think it makes it a stricter standard. It actually is a standard that could be abused. Ella achadzo v'achadzo so rather, the rabbis say, no, both this woman and that woman should be allowed to marry. Now they have a case. There was a woman who came to the court of Rabbi Yehuda. And so the people who were around this woman, they said to her, They said, mourn your husband, tear your clothes, and unbind your hair. In other words, make it look like you're a mourner, and then the court will believe you. In other words, everyone knew Rabbi Yehuda had this exacting standard, and so they're coaching her so she'll be believed. Alufaya Shikra. So the Gemara says, what is this brisa? Like, in other words, is it, say, sorry, what is this story? Is there basically saying that they told her to lie? No, they thought in accordance with the opinion of the rabbis, right, that basically it would be permitted for her to marry in any case. But they were worried that Rabbi Yehuda was going to rule and say she couldn't get married unless she showed her grief. And so they, it's, it's interesting. It's sort of like the people know what the real, except what the majority opinion was, but because this woman got stuck going to like the minority opinion, Beitid, they wanted to make sure she wouldn't have a problem. Um, right. So therefore they said, you should do this so that Rabbi Yehuda would allow you to marry. So I thought this was a great story. Now, Anne, you'll move to the uh, to the Mishnah because it's sort of, in a way, a story, and the Gemara is not critical of it, of like where the people take halakha into its own hands, right? Like we even know today, particularly with Agunot case, 
certain Bateidin are better to go to than other Bateidin. And this is basically what this case is in the Gemara. The people knew that the court of Rabbi Yehuda was not a great court to go to. In other words, he presumably, there was a real potential that he was not going to allow this woman to remarry. And so therefore the people rally behind her and basically say, this is what you need to do so that you can make sure, so that you can guarantee you will not have a problem getting remarried. I thought this story was really fascinating. And, and the Gemara, again, isn't critical of it. The Gemara supports this. Um, the Gemara supports this. I think that, again, we're going to see this interplay between the end of the, well, we've seen it in the context of a, even a parak, but before the Mishnah talks about the stuff that's about to appear in the Mishnah. Um, you know, I, I feel like I keep making this observation and it must not be like all that radical of an understanding because it happens all, not all, but I, I don't know, like, I, you know, either I should go do the PhD on this or I should go find the PhD that's already been written on this. I, I, re, re, you know, regularly find it very interesting that the crafter, the redactors of the Gemara kind of, you know, made, made that seamless generational uh divide they made the, the general racial divide seamless right like they so that the topic just continues along so here we go so again we're talking about when does this woman have the right to give her own testimony now obviously that's not exactly the case you're david that you've just been talking about but again it's but we're we're in this world, right? Of of this is what's going on. So um Ben Hill says that um they can only accept the testimony of a woman about her own husband, about the death of her own husband, if she's coming from Hakatsir, the grain harvest, right? And she's coming from the same country. And Kamasisha, yeah, that's similar to the incident that happened, right? Meaning it doesn't spell out what that is. But the incident that happened when there was indeed such a, an acceptance of such testimony, and so we have you know commentaries that fill us in what 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 happened. Um, there's an example in, or there's a discussion rather, in the Talmud Yerushalmi, which explains the time of the katsir, the green harvest, is actually a dangerous period of time because people are out in the sun for so long, and there are snakes, right? Meaning there is reason to be concerned. That somebody could actually, you know, have some kind of mishap during this time, and end up dead. Bechamai, Amrulahem, Bechamai, Achata ba min akatzir, Vachata ba min hazeitim, Vachata ba min abatzir, Vachata ba min medinat le medinah. Lo dibruch hachamim bekatzir ella behove. So what happens? Bechamai says, "Hey, this halacha, the same thing that you're concerned about, that you say it, she has to be coming from the katzir, from the." grain harvest in order for her testimony that her husband died is going to be accepted, meaning that it was in fact a dangerous time. So so it's legitimate to think that she's actually telling the truth, right? That she's or that she's accurate, right? So Bichama says, well, extend it. Extend it to the grain harvest and the olive harvest and the grape harvest and somebody who travels from country to country. Meaning Bichama, and you know, often we see Bichama is so much more stringent, but in this case, they're actually being more liberal, more lenient with regard to when this woman's testimony is going to be ex accepted, specifically any of these times, you know, where there's actually something that, you know, you could peg potential danger on, 
any kind of harvest, any kind of travel, right? And any of those times are times that the woman's testimony should be. And then the Mishnah continues to say that when Chazal said, specifically Katsir, um, like, that's what's going on right now. It says that's what was the Hoveh, that's what the present was. So they talked about the Katsir, but if it had been a different month, they would have talked about the Batsir, meaning the, the grape harvest, right? So Bejama here is like remarkably, you know, intuitive, flexible in ways that we don't usually see Beit Shammai, or I don't think we see Beit Shammai um, representing that kind of view. Chazru Beit Shammai, I'm sorry, Chazru Beit Hillel, Lahorot Kebeit Shammai. And in the end, Beit Hillel accepts it, meaning they go back, they retract their opinion, and they teach this halacha, this detail about the woman in testimony um, in accord with what Beit Shammai says. So not only is Beit Shammai being, you know, unusual, the agreement between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, so now we've got a unified psaq basically, at least from the level of the Mishnah, that says, you know, the woman's testimony should be accepted when she's testifying about how her husband died and there's any circumstances, meaning we're not saying that she just came in from shopping, but there's circumstances that there's a backdrop. And that back, excuse me, and that backdrop, um, it, whatever it is, it's enough. It doesn't have to be a very specific, Excuse me, potential danger. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Right, I I think it's interesting to sort of see as the Gemara goes on here, like what the, like a little bit like how is halacha learned, and what, what struck me about this stop and the discussion with the Gemara is, it's going to go through this mission another example of like a story that took place, and the question is, is the story just like an example? Or is it a limited and that only the circumstances of that story are true? Right. Excuse me. I seem to have the hiccups. Um, what I, I think it's particularly interesting also, again, excuse me, how the Gemara um, goes forward with this Mishnah, right? And, and tries to assess, excuse me, exactly that question, right? Namely, of is this, you know, I would say in modern terms, we'd say, is this Dafka or is this Lav Dafka? Is this precisely the case that that is the the scenario that the halacha applies to? Or is it an example of a case? And now let's extrapolate to, to other cases. And the Gemara actually does this kind of um, analysis and brings other rabbis, you know, who's to assess, you know, do they line up with the Beit Shammai's position or Beit Hillel's position? I understand that Beit Hill comes around to Beit Shammai's position, but the Gemara's initial discussion kind of wants to keep this the distinction between them separate as they go to as they go to try to figure out, you know, um, how far does this opinion apply? You know that kind of thing. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rankus reviews and all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us at Mahadram website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.